inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to this Friday edition of AFA at the Core. I'm your host, Walker Wildman. You're listening to the American Family Radio Network. Here, American Family Radio Network. Don't forget to check out our website, AFR.net. AFR.net is our website. Our scripture for the week is Psalm 1, verse 1 and 2. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. That's our scripture for the week. Psalm 1, verse 1 and 2. On the line, uh, wasting no time to introduce our guest here, we have the uh, governor of Mississippi, Governor Tate Reeves, on AFA at the core. Governor Tate Reeves, welcome to the show. Good afternoon, Walker. It's always good to be on with you, my friend. Yes, sir. Glad to have you on the network here. And I wanted to bring you on because, you know, we're, we're experiencing uh, what we've seen at least this week is a, a real escalation in the pressure and the campaign uh, to get Americans vaccinated. And, and what we're seeing coming out of the White House and the Biden administration is is really um, demeaning towards Americans. I mean, we had the Biden administration, uh, uh, the president himself, call basically call people stupid who don't uh, get vaccinated. But I wanted to have you on. What's been your approach when it comes to trying to protect public health, but also respect uh, the rights of Mississippians. What's been your approach over the last 18 months? Well, well, thank you, Walker. As always, it's, it's great to be on. The, the reality is that um, we have seen an, an uptick in cases in our state. Uh, we've seen an uptick in cases in virtually every, all 50 states across, uh, across the nation. And, and what I have said is um, the best way for us to... Uh, to um, increase the number of vaccinations across America is to increase the amount of information that we give to individuals and we allow individuals to make the best choice for themselves or their families. Um, it seems like oftentimes it's, um, you know, the other side of the aisle, the Democrats, they really believe in central decision-making. They really believe that all decisions made in Washington, D.C. are better because they think, I think, that, that they're smarter than everyone else. And in reality, the, 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 the exact opposite is true. We, we believe in individual decision-making. Um, I don't know uh, what every single individual's um, medical history is. I don't know what their conversations are with their doctor. Uh, I know what it, what it did for me when I did my research. But each individual needs to be equipped with the information to make the best decision for them and their families, uh, but government doesn't even be telling anybody what to do. Yeah, and, and and look, and I've said this on my show multiple times, uh, I'm not against the vaccine. As a matter of fact, if it works, if it's as effective as some of the studies suggest, um, I think it could be very valuable, especially for people who are at high risk. Um, but what, what we're seeing, Governor, is, is we're seeing this across-the-board approach uh, not factoring in all the many things that you mentioned um, and it's really, really demeaning to many Americans out there who are having to grapple with this decision. 
Um, from from your perspective, at least talking to the the Mississippi Department of Health and the people you talk to every day, is it true, at least in Mississippi, where you are seeing that the people who have the vaccine are at a much lower risk of, of falling severely ill with COVID? Uh, that is absolutely what we are seeing, uh, Walker. It's, it's, it's what we anticipated. Um, you know, what I've said uh, publicly and behind closed doors for months is that the mixed messaging coming from the CDC is really a major challenge for us to try to overcome because when they say that the vaccine works, but yet then say if you're vaccinated, you still need to be wearing masks Mm. indoors and you need to act exactly the same whether you're vaccinated or not, that just sends a, a, a terrible message to those individuals who are on the fence who are thinking about whether or not they're going to get vaccinated. My view is, and, and I do believe in the efficacy of the vaccine, I believe uh, it is helpful. I have personally taken it. My wife has, my mom has, my dad has. Uh, but you're right. It's certainly um, very, very important for those who are more vulnerable. Um, those over the age of 50 uh, have comprised a significantly high percentage of the total number of hospitalizations in Mississippi. Um, in that particular category of individuals, we actually have a pretty high vaccination rate. Uh, in our state. But again, it's about giving everyone, giving individuals the information that they need so that they can make the best decisions for themselves. Uh, I I read a story uh, just this week uh, about the Mississippi Association of Educators calling for a statewide mask mandate in schools. You know, the the studies um, that we've seen over the past 12 to 18 months have showed that children, young people, um, especially school-aged children, K through 12, are at an extremely low risk of falling severely ill with coronavirus. Many of them are virtually unfazed by the virus, untouched by it. Um, what you know? Do, do you see the state of Mississippi going back to forcing our young children to wear a mask in schools? No, I have no intention of mandating masks in schools this school year. Uh, I said back in. Uh, February and March and April, uh, that once the school year was over, that we would be uh, beyond that. Now, I think there's some, there are going to be some conversations had at the local school board level, and I think all Mississippians that are interested in this topic ought to be able and willing to show up at their local school board or their local school and, and let their voices be heard. Uh, but no, we will not have a statewide mask mandate requirement in our schools, uh, um, not in Mississippi. All right, Governor Reeves. Hey, well, one last one last thing. What would you like to say to people who live in Mississippi, listeners, uh, about where they can find out more information about what your what your office is doing when it comes to the coronavirus? Well, you know, we we've we've been pretty <clears throat> excuse me pretty active, particularly on social media. You know, for those individuals that follow us on Twitter and Facebook and uh, Instagram, we try to put out. Uh, good, positive information um, very, very regularly. And so we just encourage all of your your listeners and viewers to do what's best for them and their family, and and hopefully they'll follow us um, on social media. All right. Thanks, Governor Reeves. Thank you for coming on. We'll have you again. All right. Thanks so much, Walker. Have a great day. All right. God bless. Uh, There you have it. That's uh, the governor of Mississippi, Mississippi, Governor Tate Reeves, uh, calling us out of uh, Jackson, Mississippi. There, uh, Governor Tate Reeves of Mississippi. Well, there you have it. Uh, that sh- there, that shows you that um, we don't have to have draconian edicts 
in order to protect public health. We can balance personal responsibility, individual liberties, and public health all at the same time uh, without tilting too far on one side uh, or the other. There's um, a couple of different things I wanted to get to today. Um, the, uh, the Olympics are going on, so we'll talk about a story out of uh, uh, Tokyo here in a little while as it relates to human sexuality and biological sex and really how many in the world are losing their mind when it comes to that. But a few more stories on this, uh, on this topic as it relates to uh, the, the COVID-19 situation uh, there's this report, uh, this uh, really this opinion piece out of Washington Post from a fellow by the name of Mark Thiessen. He's a com- columnist for the Washington Post. Many of you have seen him uh, in other places. But this is, uh, he's talking about the, the, the chances of a fully vaccinated person being hospitalized or passing away from coronavirus and how the, the, it's extremely low. This is, uh, this is from the Washington Post, surprisingly, reading directly from this opinion piece. The rise in COVID-19 cases among the unvaccinated poses no serious threat to those who have been immunized. The data is clear. According to the CDC, as of July 19th, a grand total of 4,072 vaccinated Americans have, ha- have been hospitalized with symptomatic breakthrough infections out of more than 161 million who have been fully vaccinated. That is a breakthrough hospitalization rate of less than 0.003%. Better still, of those hospitalized, only 849 have died of COVID-19. That means the death rate from those breakthrough infections is 0.0005%. He goes on to say, to put that in perspective, your chance of dying from a lightning strike is 0.007%. And your chance of dying from a seasonal flu is 0.1%. If you're vaccinated, you have a much greater chance of dying from a hornet, wasp, or bee sting, a dog attack, a car crash, drowning, sunstroke, or choking on food than you do of dying from COVID-19. Wow, that's some shocking statistics there. You're more likely, if you're vaccinated, uh, you're more likely to die of a lightning strike than you are to die of COVID-19. But you're not going to hear that out of the White House. You're not going to hear that out of the CDC because we've got to keep the panic going, the fear going, and everybody's got a mask up, even if you're vaccinated, no questions asked. I want to bring in this uh, clip. Actually, um, yeah, okay, so this is a Surgeon General. I'm making sure I brought this in. This is the Biden Surgeon General, and he was on MSNBC, and he says, even if you're vaccinated, you need to wear a mask at home with your family. Clip four, let's listen. For example, if you happen to have a lot of interaction with folks who are unvaccinated, let's say you're a parent like me who has young children at home who are not vaccinated, that's a circumstance where being extra cautious and wearing that mask, uh, even if you are fully vaccinated, uh, wearing, wearing it out, outside when you're in indoor public locations is an extra step to protecting those at home. That's the Surgeon General saying that those uh, vaccinated adults need to wear a mask in their own personal homes, private homes, uh, to protect their kids, to protect their kids. Uh, Bobby, this, you talk about illogical. Uh, This is the epitome of illogical thinking. I just got this image going through my head. We we all should be wearing wearing 
helmet uh, welding helmets with with see through <laughs> visors, and I think we'd be we'd be fine. <laughs> Can you imagine me walking down my hallway in the morning at six thirty a.m. going to get my first pot of coffee, and I've got a a face shield on <laughs> with a face mask. A lot of coffee spill cleanups. I yeah, can assure good, you. Yeah. Good morning, honey. <laughs> or, or, or good morning, honey. Good, good to yeah. see you this morning. Always a pleasure. <laughs> wow, folks. Um, you know this has this 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 is not good. And, I, and Bobby and I laugh about it. We got to be light about it sometimes because you just can't let it get the best of you, um, or or in that case, the worst of you. But you know what? What these so-called experts are doing is they're creating a generation of people who are just not going to listen to them. They're just not going to listen to them. It's not because they, uh, because we just don't want to, but it's because they're 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 creating an environment. They're misleading people. Let me just put it that way. They're misleading people because we were told America was told that if we got vaccinated, talking generally here, that if Americans got vaccinated, we can move on past the vac past the pandemic, that we can move on as a society. We can move on. We can open things back up. We can go back to life as normal. Let alone the days of flatten the curve. Yeah, that was 15 days to slow the spread turned into 30 years to slow the spread. Exactly right. And 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 so we were, we were told all these things, you know, you just be a team player and we'll get through this. Well, here we are. Uh, the vast majority of Americans have participated in this to some extent. Um, and, and it's not enough. And I'm, I'm bringing in this CNN article that that proves my point. This is from today. Here's the headline from CNN. The same people that are telling you that if you go get vaccinated, we can move on from this. Here's the headline. Vaccination is not enough by itself to stop the spread of variants. Study finds. CNN goes on to say that Vaccination isn't enough. We've got to do more. Which one is it? Which one is it? Is it vaccine? Is it mask? Is it shelter in place? Goodness gracious alive. This is unlike anything I've seen, at least in my lifetime. This is absolute insanity. Well, we're going to bring you some sanity when we get back from the break and talk about how we need to embrace God's design for human sexuality. That's the best for society. AFA at the core will be back in a few minutes. The simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Marty McCary and a team of researchers at Johns Hopkins University have published results from their own study, which shows people pushing forced COVID injections onto children are in fact fighting against the science. McCary and his team reviewed about 48,000 cases of children under 18 reported to have COVID between April and August 2020. Their study found a mortality rate of zero among children without a pre-existing medical condition like leukemia. This doesn't mean COVID should be taken lightly, but it should cause politicians and others to shut up and let parents decide what's best for their children. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association.
This is Dr. Richard Land, President Emeritus of Southern Evangelical Seminary, and your host for Bringing Every Thought Captive. The struggle to keep our children from being brainwashed by critical race theory being taught in our public schools is heating up all over America. One predictable early flashpoint is my native state of Texas. As critical race theories reverse racism, and that's what it is, if you're white, you're an oppressor, and if you're a person of color, you're a victim, has been unmasked in some media circles, and as tens of thousands of parents have seen it for themselves during their children's virtual schooling during the COVID crisis, the public has responded with outrage at every level, local, state, and national. Even in San Francisco, depending on your perspective, at least three school board members are facing election opposition from those who are opposed to critical race theory. In Texas, the legislature has passed a law, House Bill 3979, which limits how teachers can discuss race and current events in history and social studies classes. It also bans them from granting students extra credit for engaging in political advocacy. They have allowed them to still give extra credit for volunteering on nonpartisan projects such as food banks and community gardens. The law, which takes effect September 1st, states that teachers cannot be forced to discuss current events or debates in public policy, but if they do choose to do so, they must do so with, quote, diverse and contending perspectives without giving deference to any one perspective, end quote. This is a good start, and it shows that the public is taking back control over their schools. They're the public's schools, not the teachers' schools. This is Richard Land. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to the show. Last segment, we interviewed the governor of Mississippi, Governor Tate Reeves. You can go to my podcast page here in a little while and listen to that interview. Go back and listen to that by going to AFA at the Core podcast page. We are posting our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. But we specifically have it available at AFR.net. AFR.net will also uh, re-air uh, this, uh, this show tomorrow as a special on American Family Radio, a best of edition of AFA at the Core here on American Family Radio tomorrow afternoon. But go to AFR.net and uh, catch the podcast there. We are also live streaming uh, the video on the American Family Radio Facebook page and my AFA at the Core YouTube channel the AFA at the Core YouTube channel. The uh, story I wanted to mention, this is out of California, which, huh, should we be surprised? This is a uh, professor, a medical professor out of uh, University of California. Here's the, here's the story. This is out of the Daily Wire. A professor of medicine within the University of California system apologized to his students for saying the word, or in this case, the words, pregnant woman instead of pregnant people in a medical classroom. The um, professor at the University of California went on to apologize for saying pregnant women (laughs) instead of pregnant people. Listen to the apology. Listen to the wokeness coming out of UCAL. Quote, I don't want you to think that I am in any way trying to imply anything. And if you can summon some generosity to forgive me, I would really appreciate it. Again, I'm very sorry for that. 
It was certainly not my intention to offend anyone, the professor said. The worst thing I can do as a human being is be offensive. I said, when a woman is pregnant, which implies that only women can get pregnant, and I most sincerely apologize to all of you. (laughs) This this is a medical class. This is a, a, a class that is all about the science, right? The science. These folks think that you can change your sex. That you can change your sex. Bobby, would you pay $100,000 to get an education where they deny the basic tenets of science? No, you're right at the root of all humanity. Uh, You're trying to ignore everything genomic, everything chromosomal. You're denying basic biology 101 science in the interest of being self-serving. And if that's the way a person feels, if that's their mental health issue, then they need to seek therapy for said mental health issue. Yes. Not try to change basic fundamental biology as God has created it. That's exactly right. And you know, it's, it's, it's probably one of the like, things you do on day one of human biology is the teacher goes, well, uh, just to start us off, we're not going to spend long on this because this is not really something that's complex, but uh, there's male and female. And moving on, but uh, UCAL Berkeley, they are trying to promote the idea, the falsehood that there is not two sexes that are set at birth. Instead, they call it a man-made creation. They call male and female a man-made creation, even using the word man there is a little ironic. Um, they call the notion of sex is man-made, a man-made creation. This is, folks, this is, this is, uh, this is attacking uh, creation God's word and natural law, natural order, directly. Mm. Mm. And we wonder why we have a generation of confused people. We have a generation of young people who are confused about virtually everything about life. You know, some of the most basic things of life that have been something that we don't really have to debate, um, like boys and girls, is now being debated amongst our young people. And we wonder why they have issues. We wonder why they have mental and, and psychological and emotional issues, it's because we're perverting their minds. Uh, we're teaching them falsehoods. And when they try to wake up to reality, we suppress it. We outlaw it, right? We can't convert. We have to stay in a stinking way of thinking. This is insanity. This is insanity. And, you know, people have to People have to get engaged, and that's what we encourage people to do here at AFA. We don't just talk about the issues of our day. We encourage people to be involved. Be involved at every level of society and make sure that you're not kowtowing, you're not bowing, and you're not being silenced uh, with your beliefs. It's important that we verbalize what we believe and we speak up and take action based on it. This story out of New York is very, very disturbing very disturbing out of New York. Um, I played I played two clips, actually. I've covered two cities where uh, the police chiefs have spoken up about violent criminals being released 
after being arrested on the same day and how the judicial system is completely broken in some of these areas. We have politically, politically motivated prosecutors and judges and district attorneys that are not putting people in jail who are violent. Instead, they're letting them back out and putting an ankle monitor on them. This is a complete joke. And there are victims as a direct result. I mean, this should be criminal. It should be criminal to be a prosecutor who has sworn in to protect citizens of a jurisdiction and you are you are actively working to make it more dangerous for the citizens. That how how can that be? It's like being a law enforcement officer and you go out every day and you harm people. You shouldn't be able to be a prosecutor or a judge who puts innocent lives at risk intentionally for no valid reason. This is out of New York City. The New York Police Department's commissioner said there is quote no logical answer for why repeat offenders are released back on New York streets, pointing to one case where a serial burglar was let out of jail and found allegedly ro- rubbing his genitals on a 10-year-old's feet in her bedroom. I told you this was disturbing. This infuriates me. Here's the tweet from the New York City Police Commissioner. Quote, a 10-year-old girl traumatized, and we are again left to pick up the pieces for a failed policy. How long must we wait? How many victims must suffer? Over and over, New Yorkers ask, how can they be released? Talking about the violent criminals, in this case, the sexual offenders. And there is no logical answer. New York Police Department Commissioner Dermot Shea tweeted. His comment uh, came in response to a report of a suspect, Raymond Weltson, 31, who was arrested 19 times since November and detained again this week for allegedly rubbing his exposed genitals on a 10-year-old girl's feet as she slept in her home with her parents not even there. She had no one to help her. Her sister was in the bedroom next to her, and her parents were not there, and this fella was sexually assaulting her. And he's back on the streets. He's back on the streets. This is, this is, this is criminal. This is criminal. I mean, some of these places in America, you you would be safer walking the streets of Afghan. You would be safer walking the streets of Iraq and Syria than you would be in some of these American cities. And it's absolutely shameful. shameful. Public safety is a fundamental tenet of, of America, of government, of society, and it's absolutely shameful. So... The only way you change this, and I'm just going to be up front with you guys, people who live in these terrible areas, the only way you change this is to go to the ballot box. You go to the ballot box and you uproot the political George Soros hacks who are, who are petitioning and fighting on behalf of violent criminals, and you replace them with people who are for law and order. That's the way you fix it, is you replace these people, these terrible people, uh, with people who care about law and order. The uh, Congress is is considering an infrastructure bill, a bipartisan infrastructure bill. I talked about the 18 Republicans who are v- going to vote in favor of the Biden infrastructure plan. Uh, the bill, by the way, hasn't even been written. You know, we made fun of Nancy Pelosi. I think it was her who said uh, on Obamacare, we got to pass the bill before you can read it. We got to pass the bill before you can read it. <laughs> Well, here we are, oh, I don't know, 10 years later, 12 years later, 
And uh, the Republicans, 18 Republicans, are voting for a bill. They just voted to proceed on debate on a bill that is not even written yet. Yes, they will admit the bill has not been written. They don't know what's in it, and they just voted to advance debate on the bill. Let me just warn you guys, I'm going to predict something. I am going to predict something, and we'll see if it comes true. Maybe I'll be wrong. I think the Democrats are about to pull a quick one, a fast one, on the Republicans here. Here's what's going to happen. They're going to pass this bipartisan bill, which is going to be a disaster as well, they're going to part, pass a bipartisan infrastructure bill in, to the tune of probably $1 to $1.5 trillion with a T. And then the Democrats are going to turn around and they're going to pass their own infrastructure bill. They're going to call it the human infrastructure bill. And it's going to be $3.5 trillion. Just watch. This is what they're going to do. They're going to pass both of these bills. They're going to get both. They're going to, uh, what's the old saying, uh, uh, get your cake and eat it too, Bobby. What's the something saying like that? Yeah, you can have your cake and eat it too, and have the baker have one, you know, on deck for you. <laughs> That's what the Democrats—they're going to get everything. They're not going to leave empty-handed. Their hands are going to be full when they leave the bakery. Uh, this is clip two. This is Ilhan Omar. Uh, she's doing an interview here, and she's questioned about you know whether they're going to pass one or two infrastructure bills. Let's listen. Clip three. I mean, it's it's really important for us to, to remember that we've laid out as members of the Progressive Caucus, as you know, I serve as the whip. We've whipped on this. There is no path forward for a bipartisan bill that doesn't move uh, simultaneously with the reconciliation bill. And I know that, you know, our colleagues on the other side um, in on the Senate uh fully understand that. And this is why I think that they've been lobbying, you know, these two senators to essentially, um, as AOC was saying, to sink uh, these bills that are a priority for Democrats. Well, number one, and this is not just because she's a Democrat, but I have a hard time really making a whole lot of sense of what she's saying. Uh, But I'm going to pull out of that what I can And that is that the Democrats want to pass two bills. They want to pass two infrastructure bills. And when you add them together, it's about $5 trillion. It's about $5 trillion, which is bigger than the annual federal government budget, which is like around $4 trillion. $5 trillion. The printing presses are going to burn up. We're going to have to bring in more printing presses. And I'm I'm not joking. Like, in order to add that kind of money to the economy that fast, you've got to have some heavy-duty printing presses. And, Bobby, this is the same party that they're outlawing. I read a report where they're outlawing certain gaming systems. These are like Dell or PC gaming systems because they consume too much energy. Colorado, California, and like three or four other states have outlawed this computer because it burns too much energy. And then you have the Tesla guy saying he's going to stop doing cryptocurrencies because of uh, of, of uh, crypto mining, which is a computer system. Um, and here they are. They're going to leave the printing presses on in D.C. for months. Yeah, and to, to your point with data mining for Bitcoin and all of the other cryptocurrencies that have have reared their heads and and so on and so forth, it's, a, it's an extremely, uh, I'm certainly no, no expert on this, but it's an extremely intensive 
uh, electrical consumption process because it takes a, a great deal of computing power uh, to effect these different currencies. And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, again, you, they're just speaking out of both sides of their mouth. But as far as the bill goes in, in terms of in infrastructure and the dollar signs, it, it all boils down to their theory of MMT, modern monetary theory, and it's basically based on uh, most modern nation states are too big to fail, mm. and they simply can't go bankrupt. That's good, and if you can't go bankrupt, then why not keep printing the money? There you go. Yeah, that that's that, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, and there's actually college courses taught on this now by a couple of specific professorial uh, uh, writers and authors who are, who have these these books in the curriculum. And uh, in my simple mind, it just does not make sense. Yeah, it does not make sense. I would love to see the bill, the energy uh, bill of the Department of Treasury or the Treasury Department. Where they print the money, I would love to see their energy consumption bill <laughs> and compare that <laughs> to uh, these gaming computers. These little gaming computers that you plug into your wallet at your house, those are outlawed in certain states. Um, I would love to see the bill of the Department of Treasury and how much energy they consume when they are printing uh, piles and truckloads of cash to insert into the economy. By the way... The Fed chair, Jerome Powell, has been trying to kick this can down the road, and the can being admitting that inflation is a major problem. They've known that inflation is a major issue for months now, and they've, they, they've actually misled the public. I would argue they've misled the public because I can't – I'm not even an economist, and I've been saying for a month that this inflation thing is a big deal, and they've been ignoring it and kicking the can down the road. They're the experts – if I can read articles from Fox Business and read Economist and realize that inflation is a problem, you can't tell me that they haven't known for months that inflation is going up and it's not transitory. It's absolutely not transitory. They are lying to you. It's not transitory. The prices aren't going down. If they go down, it will be minuscule. The prices are here to stay. And they're going to keep printing the money, which is going to make things all the more worse uh, for middle class to lower income families. Absolutely shameful. That's what you get, though. Biden's economic policies, absolutely failing. AFA at the core, we'll be back. American Family Radio newscasts are now available as a podcast. I'm Rusty Pugh. I'm Steve Jordahl. Didn't catch the full story? Listen to the podcast. I'm Chris Woodward. I'm Chad Groening. Didn't have the radio on at the top of the hour? Listen to the podcast. I'm Charlie Bunch. And I'm Fred Jackson. Get accurate news from a Christian perspective whenever you want it with the American Family News podcast. You can also sign up for our daily news brief. Visit onenewsnow.com. The American Family Association's mission is to inform, equip, and activate individuals to strengthen the moral foundations of our culture. We also support the church. Our goal is to be a leading organization in biblical worldview training. Here's another of our core values. We believe that our ministry, as well as everything in the heavens and on earth, belongs to God. And our role is that of a trusted manager. Thank you for standing with AFA as we seek to stop the erosion of godly values.
Did you know that over 62 million babies have been aborted since Roe versus Wade? Every single one of these babies' lives was dear and precious. Why isn't the world declaring these babies as lost? Here's Dan Steiner, the president of Preborn, a ministry dedicated to saving babies' lives from abortion through ultrasound. I sense God's broken heart over the issue of abortion. You see, he sees every little baby that's being formed in the mother's womb, and it breaks his heart to see when the lifetime that he has planned for them is taken from them violently so often. The Ministry of Preborn is the largest provider of free ultrasounds in the country, introducing women considering abortion to their precious preborn baby. By letting a mother see her baby on ultrasound and hear the heartbeat, she'll choose life 80% of the time. To find out more, go to preborn.com or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. I feel so hopeless. Hopeless. Is there any hope? I I just feel like there's no hope at all. Is there any hope? Get hope. Last month, I came across Psalms 23 in the Bible. That's TWR President Lauren Libby. I was impressed with, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. It occurred to me that since Jesus is my shepherd, provider, and protector, I should not want. God is committed to the needs in our lives, not necessarily wants. Debt is taking future resources, emotionally, physically, financially, or spiritual resources to satisfy current wants, creating a gap or a deficit, and thus creating a debt. Since Jesus is my shepherd, the one who provides and protects me, I have the ability not to be enslaved by my wants. Now that gives hope. Need more hope? We have resources waiting for you, including a free devotional. You'll find them at GetHopeRadio.com. That's GetHopeRadio.com. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the Core here on American Family Radio. Last segment here. By the way, our uh, resource of the week, if you're watching on Facebook or YouTube, our resource of the week is this In His Image 5-pack DVD set. This In His Image 5-pack DVD set, DVD set, excellent documentary. I would encourage you to watch it. Go to resources.afa.net, and you can order the 5-pack from our resource center, resources.afa.net. The story out of the uh, Olympics that I wanted to discuss many of you have heard this, is the story of the New Zealand weightlifter, the biological male that is competing in the female Olympics, the the weightlifting part or the aspect uh, part of the Olympics, uh, the New Zealand weightlifter. uh, He goes by the name of Laurel Hubbard, and a 43-year-old male competed as a man before transitioning to female, which is impossible, so disregard that. Um, This dude is probably going to take the gold, probably going to take the gold, Um, a dude competing against women. And, you know, all these other women, (laughs) the real women, (laughs) they – They've probably, I don't know all their backgrounds, but many of them have probably worked very, very hard most of their adult life, if not all of their adult life. Many of them probably started when they were children, this uh, weightlifting. 
they're going to be beat out most likely, not not indefinitely, but most likely going to be beat out by this dude uh, because the uh, Olympic Committee, uh, the governance body over the Olympics, uh, they are denying science and they're letting a biological male compete against women in the weightlifting section of the Olympics. Um, anytime, as I've mentioned, anytime you begin basing your beliefs and your standards and your morals off of something other than God's word, uh, which is absolute truth, uh, you go down a path that is never ending. And so that's what we're seeing from the Olympics committee. We have to embrace uh, biology. We have to embrace science. If we don't, uh, we'll go down a road, and we are going down a road uh, that has endless turns and ramps off the road to do whatever man says is best for a short time, and then they're going to change their opinion, and something new and great is going to come out, and it's going to be a new uh, scientific discovery, they say. Uh, it's just a reminder there, and that's what In His Image talks about, is how God set us male and female, and there is no changing that. There is no changing your DNA. There's a mother in Georgia. She went on Fox News, pretty bold mom, and she said that her uh, children's school district in Georgia, they are reinstituting the unscientific mask mandate for the children, K through 12, in this Georgia school district. And one Georgia mom, at least, she said she's had enough our kids are getting out of that school. Clip one. Let's listen. I decided to come to this decision because, number one, I do not co-parent with my school board. I do not co-parent with the CDC, and I certainly do not co-parent with this administration. Our schools have zero authority to be imposing health mandates over our students. I compromised last year uh, when they allowed our students to go back into the building, and I compromised, and, I, and many parents did, and we put the masks on our children, but no more. Here in Georgia, we have numerous large districts that are still keeping their masks optional, and Gwinnett is demanding the same, so much so that we actually filed lawsuit yesterday against our school district. Good for her. She is suing the school district. Man, we need like we need to copy and paste that all across the country. This Georgia mom by the name of Holly Terry, she has had enough. She's suing the school district, and in the meantime, she's bringing her children home. She's going to homeschool them. Um, I love there how she said, I don't co-parent with the school district. This is not where the school district, they got a little bit of authority over my child, and I've got a little bit, and we're going to tug it out. Absolutely not. The mom has 100% jurisdiction and authority over her children, and she is claiming that authority, that role as her mother. Good for her. Let's play another clip from her. This is a part two. Uh, let's listen. You know, my youngest child is, uh, she was born with a cleft lip and she's a craniofacial child with um, a lot of craniofacial abnormalities. So we have spent thousands and thousands of dollars mm -hmm. in order for our child to breathe and, mm -hmm. and for her to come home and pull her mask off and just take a deep breath and say, mommy, I could finally breathe. Mommy, mm -hmm. my head hurt all day. Um, my other daughter, she is going into fifth grade and she, she explains to me how she feels like when people wear masks, none of the kids talk. They don't socialize. Everybody is uh, feels isolated and acts isolated with the mask on. Um, that she misses uh, lunch in the cafeteria, sitting next to her friends, playing on the playground. 
That is humanizing a real-life situation. Hearing that mother's story of how her daughter is traumatized from having to wear a cloth over her face all day at school, that is, that is, that's sobering. And, and let's, let's humanize this. Let's humanize this discussion. Let's stop talking about the studies, talking about what the experts say who don't have to live in these environments. Let's talk about how the kids are feeling. You know, the left, they always want to talk about feelings. You know, the University of California professor, you know, he's sorry that he upset people's feelings. Well, let's talk about the children's feelings. How do you feel four-year-old wearing a mask, a dirty mask, all day at school? How do you feel? Having to pull it down to put some, some food in your mouth and then push it back up. I mean, who are we? What are we like, animals? This is, this, is, this is tragic what we've done to our children, and it must stop. And so good for this mom. She's suing Gwinnett County, Georgia, over this uh, mask mandate. we got to stop this nonsense. Not only is it inhumane, not only does it harm the children, not only are they traumatized over this, but there's no science to back it up. There's absolutely no science to back it up. And so we got to stop making these decisions that aren't based in reality, and we need to start looking out for the best interest of our children. The uh, Biden administration, they've gone from they've gone from arresting and detaining temporarily and processing and then releasing illegal immigrants to just basically releasing them with no court date. There's this report out of their Western Journal, westernjournal.com, reading from this story. The U.S.-Mexico border has been so overwhelmed under President Joe Biden that roughly 50,000 migrants who illegally crossed the border were released without being given a court date. They have been told to report to, quote, one of them with a 60-day window talking about an ICE office, Immigrations and Customs Enforcement offices. They've been told to report to one of the offices within a 60-day window without being given a specific date. The, uh, the, The article goes on to say the apparent hope is that after reaching their destination, wherever that is, an American city, that's where it's going to be, the migrants will travel to an ICE office to obtain work permits. Whoa, what? Illegal immigrants getting work permits? Seriously, this is the first I've heard of this. Uh, This program I'm going to tell you about is not a new program, but it's new to me. I thought if you were an illegal immigrant, you weren't supposed to work in the U.S. legally. We all know they do. They skirt the system, and many companies uh, make a lot of profits off of illegal labor in the U.S., surprisingly. But uh, this, uh, by the way, from this report also is that People probably ask the question, well, how many of these 50,000 that were released into the U.S. interior without a court date, how many of them actually show up voluntarily to a ICE office within 60 days? Well, that number is a whopping 13%. A whopping 13% of these illegal immigrants actually show up to an ICE office within 60 days. And the only reason many of these show up to an ICE office is because they want one of these work permits. Well, how do they get a work permit if they're illegal? 
Well, they go through this system that's ripe with fraud. Even the own, our own government admits it's ripe with fraud. This is from the Washington Times uh, expounding on this work permit system for illegal immigrants. The Department of Homeland Security will speed up work permits under the Biden administration for tens of thousands of illegal immigrants who claim they are victims of crime, the department announced on Monday, saying the current wait, which can last up to five years, is too long to make people remain in economic limbo. Do you see where the focus is here? We've got American citizens who can't find jobs, or at least couldn't find jobs at some point. And our government is concerned about illegal immigrants being in economic limbo. More than 160,000 people were waiting for the victim visa, that's what it's called, officially known as the U-Visa as of December. The story goes on to talk about how these visas are particularly attractive to illegal immigrants because they can be used to create a path to citizenship. U-Visas have long been controversial with critics saying there's a significant amount of fraud. Well, you'll wonder, yeah, there's fraud, and here's why. Because we can't verify as a government whether these people are actually victims of crime or hostility or whatever back in their home country. In many cases, we don't even know who they are. We don't even know their true identity. And so our government's got a system set up that I just learned about called a new visa where we are giving illegal immigrants a legal work permit to work in the U.S. And they are also creating a pathway to citizenship for these illegal immigrants. That's the Biden administration making it easier for illegal immigrants to work legally in the U.S. and become citizens. And then you had the Biden administration just uh, yesterday, Joe Biden said, that on this infrastructure package, the $3.5 trillion one, not the little $1.5 trillion one, the $3.5 trillion one, Biden said that they're going to put amnesty in there. Yep, you heard it. They're going to put amnesty in there. Boy, are the Republicans getting played. They think they're going to pass a bipartisan bill and they're going to get Chuck Schumer not to pass this other one. They're about to get played so hard. They're going to put everything in this other bill. They're going to put everything in it and they're going to get the parliamentarian to go along with it. And before you know it, boom, overnight, uh, they're going to get their left-wing wish list, and they're going to make the Republicans look like fools. Bobby, can you believe it? The Republicans actually giving in to the Democrats. Well, it's been going on for so long. We've been the one who's been kicked into the corner, and we have to absorb all the body blows and make concessions, and those concessions never go away. They just continue to grow. Uh, the other question to ask in terms of this illegal immigration and voting right, uh, working rights and so on and so forth. Okay, so you decide that illegals can now work legally. Define legally. Are they paying into the tax base? Are they contributing to Social Security? Are they contributing to all the other miscellaneous and ancillary taxes, payroll taxes, and so on and so forth? Or are they just reaping what they sow in terms of wages? Yeah. With no taxation to go along with it that we have to carry that load for them for. Yeah, because in order to get a, a to pay into the system, you got to get a Social Security number. 
And Indeed. you got you got to be in the IRS database. That's exactly right. Yes, or are these illegal immigrants paying taxes? Very good question. A, very no, but good a lot question. of that money is, is leaving the country too because they support families back in their native countries and all that goes along with that. That's that's right, and that brings me back. That, that makes me think of the Trump administration. You know, President Trump tried to put a levy. He tried to levy a tax on those exports, those uh, financial transaction, those wires back to Mexico. Up uh, up in the tunes of billions, I think, is sent back uh, to Mexico from uh, from people who work in America that are Mexican citizens or Mexican nationals or for whatever their background is. They're transferring money back to Mexico to their family and their loved ones or whoever. And uh, that money is not being being taxed going back into Mexico. President Trump wanted to tax some of that money going back in to pay for the border wall. How about that? You're you're earning a living off of the American system, and you're sending that money uh, back to your to your home country. Why don't we tax that and pay for a wall so we can stop the cartels? Representative Chip Roy, this is a 30-second clip. Let's listen to him pushing back on Fox News against the Pelosi mask mandate. Well, in order to have respect, you actually have to respect the disagreements that you can have among each other. I stand with Thomas Massey. Look, I'm not going to tell anybody whether I've been vaccinated or not because it's none of their business. And so that's my position. That's Thomas's position. I'm standing with my staff. I'm telling my staff to do what they think is in their best interest, and I will back them up. And if Nancy Pelosi wants to come after my staff, she's going to have to come through me. This is not the way we conduct business here. We can agree to disagree, but this is a line in the sand. We're a free country, and I'm going to act like it. I'm going to defend the freedom of Americans and my staff to do what they think is in their interest, not the will of Nancy Pelosi. My new hero, Representative Chip Roy of Texas. He's when, the bomb. When he is. When someone asks you, do you have the COVID vaccine, say it's none of your business. That's what Chip Roy said. All right, AFA at the core, American Family Radio. We'll see you next week. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.